Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. And um, the presence of the Lord is palpable in this place this morning. He wants to do a great work in your life. And I just pray that you would open your heart to whatever God wants to do in you. I know the reality that there are many in this room that are carrying some deep hurt and heavy burdens and wading through the waters of grief that seem like they might overwhelm you. I just am here to point you to the one who will carry you, who is here to meet you, who loves you, and declare the undying reality that there is hope in the name of Jesus Christ for you today. And... Um, So as we continue our series today in Hebrews chapter 11 and also looking back to Genesis, I just pray that everything we say and do points to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And uh, we have the privilege of honoring so many of our earthly Parent, earthly fathers today, but we love you and we honor you and we got a soda for you. (laughs) Pop, I don't even know what pop is, right? You know, he's from the... For all those that don't know what pop is, or may call it Coke, it's actually soda. Um, <laughs> um, but we got one in the back for you. Pick your favorite flavor that we have, and it's just a joy. But more than anything, we love you and we're honoring you, but we are here to honor our Heavenly Father. And um, uh, the words from the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 have been ringing in my heart uh, this week. And see what kind of love that the Father has given to us that we should be called His children. I don't know what kind of earthly father you have. I don't know what kind of earthly father you are, but I just know that we have a heavenly father who will never fail us and leave or leave us or forsake us. Praise God for that. Amen. And Jesus is building his church. He's building it here at Harvest. I can't tell you how excited I, well, I can, I'm about to, how excited, I can't tell you enough how excited I am about the work that God's doing. And the church is a gathering of called out individuals set apart to live on mission for God as we live life pursuing God together, growing in God, going for God, and he's moving. And so I want to encourage you to come next week, come with an open heart, ready to explode and rejoice at the work of God as we celebrate the transformational power of people being brought from death to life in baptism. So come on, bring a friend and let's go. Let's celebrate the work that God's doing I want you to come next week because I want to hear the story of the God at work as he worked in and through our team in Guatemala that just got back. Two of our members are here today. So Jeff and Russ, it's good to see you guys. We love you guys. They're fresh off the flight, literally. And so before you go today, grab them and say, what did you see God do? And listen, we got a team that's preparing to go to the Dominican Republic next month and excited to see what God's going to do there. we got a team that's assembling to lead a backyard Bible, a backyard Bible I keep calling it, that Harvest Kids Camp here in August. And i got a challenge for you, friends. We believe that Jesus changes everything. I want you to look at that card at your seat. There's one on every seat, and I want you to do this. Two things, this is a challenge for you if you're willing to accept it, is to take that card, pray about who you should invite this week, and every person invite at least one person using that card this week, or text, or whatever. We can do that, right? Not just think about it but actually do it. And you're like, I don't got kids, but I bet you work with somebody that's got elementary age kids. You might be a grandma. You might be a mom. You might have a neighbor with kids. Everybody knows somebody that needs the name of Jesus under the age of sixth grade or under. Amen. So let's invite them this week, seven days. So if you're in to do that, say I'm in. All right. Let's see what God will do. And we got more cards for you. You can have more than one. It's allowed, okay? Um, Because we believe that God is moving and God is changing. And if you want to get a part of it, come talk to my wife and talk to any of us on staff. We would love to see what God's doing. So God is moving and he's building his church. Praise God for his faithfulness and praise God for your faithfulness. We worship in many ways here through worship, through, through song, through singing, through the word and through giving. And I just want to say just from the bottom of my heart on behalf of our elders, just thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. Uh, Through nine months of our fiscal year, we are, we are caught up and we are good to go. I just also want to let you know that we're, we're significantly behind in June. And so we have through June 15th, about halfway through the month, we have $88,052 of our $25,500 monthly budget. And so God's faithful and he provides. I just want to ask if God would maybe use you as a member of our faith family. If this is your first time here, please don't feel obligated to give. But if you consider Harvest Your Church Home, I just ask, are you giving and are you giving generously? Are you giving back in proportion of what God has given you to the work that God is doing here at his church in Harvest? And you can give online, you can give in the back, you can give a variety of ways but I just want to pray about that. We're a family, right? We all have ownership and we're not just here to just be a a fan of Jesus. We're here to be a follower of Jesus and we all have ownership of that. And so whatever God might lead you to do, man, 
God is working, and what a, there's no greater investment than investing in the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we're super thankful for that. And, uh, but as we get rolling here, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. We're journeying verse by verse through the book of Hebrews, through the, through the chapter of Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, if you would see how God works and moves. But I got a couple of questions for you. Let's see if you can help me out here. The first question is this. What did the classmate say when I asked him why he kept walking next to the same person at school? You're like, I don't know. Because you told me to walk by faith. Ah, hey, we're going to the Faith Hall of Fame, right? Next step, boo. Boo. My family. Yeah. They have to put, pray for them. They got to put, put up with me every day. Some of you guys just got to put on me occasionally. Okay, another question. What was the most, who was the most business savvy woman in all the Bible? Pharaoh's daughter. Because she went down to the bank of the Nile and pulled out a little profit. Ah, we'll look at that next week. Make sure you're here, okay? That's what's coming. Okay, third and final one, then I'll, I'll, I'll stop your pain. Um, where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? In Genesis, when Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Oh, hey, what would Father's Day be without a couple dad jokes, right? Awesome. Well, we love the work of the Lord here, and we are going to look at that text today. And the reality of Joseph serving in Pharaoh's court is actually no laughing matter at all, right? But if, you, if this is your first time here at Harvest, here's the deal. We take the Word of God seriously. We take our faith seriously. We take the mission seriously. We're going to get after it. We don't take ourselves very seriously. And a part of being a family is we get to laugh and laugh together and live life together in every season. And, um, and, and so we're going to look today in Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 50, what, what the life of Pharaoh and how God is moving and working in him. We're going to see what it looks like to step out in faith through the eyes of Joseph and how to advance the kingdom of God even at the, at the end of your life. We're going to see God's enduring providence and faithfulness in a world full of chaos. In a world full of hurt and hard, we're going to see that there is hope in the name of Jesus today. Today, we're going to see Joseph at the end of his life reflecting back on God's goodness, his sovereignty, his providence throughout every single season of his life. And we're going to see with clarity that God is faithful even when we can't see it. And we're going to look forward with hope because the same God who was faithful yesterday is the same God who is faithful today, is the same God who will be faithful tomorrow. That is Corey Ten Boom once famously said that I love, it's one of my favorite quotes, you don't be afraid to trust an unknown future to a very known God. God's character holds true. God's providence stands, God's goodness transcends, God's grace meets us, and God's strength will carry us, and God will accomplish his purposes. Praise God. Amen. Of this we have hope. Of this we have an assurance that God will meet us. Here's a big idea for today. You'll see it on the screen and in your notes. The assurance of God's faithfulness equips me to face the future with confidence. The assurance, I can take it to the bank of God's faithfulness. The reality that God is faithful. Faithfulness is not just something God does. Faithfulness is who God is. God cannot not be faithful. And yes, that double negative was intentional. (laughs) Because he is faithful. Even when we aren't. And even when our circumstances are very hard. The assurance of God's faithfulness equips me to face the future with confidence. I don't know what about the future you have anxiety about today, have worries about today. I just know we all have them, amen? If you're like, ah, welcome to the club. We're all worried about something. We all have anxiety. We're all carrying different burdens, griefs, stresses, pains from the past, concerns about the future here today. And I pray that God would meet you here and that we can look today with confidence, because we see today God's character. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for your mercy in our mess. God, that you are faithful even when we are faithless. God, that you pursue us even when we run from you. And God, as we will see today, what man intends to harm us, you use for your good, because no one and nothing can stop our God. Jesus, we love you and we cherish you and we adore you and we are here to magnify you. I just pray that you would eliminate any distractions and God, that you would meet us where we are, that you would lavish your unconditional love, 
that you would demonstrate your unending grace, that you would, for those that are walking through a deep season of grief, that your grace would meet us there. For those that are facing an uncertain future and aren't sure what to do, I pray that you would grant us your wisdom today. For those that are carrying the pain of the past, I pray that your mercy would meet us. And I pray in and through it all, God, that you would glorify yourself in this place. Help us to see you as greater and bigger because that's the reality of who you are. Holy Spirit, silence my words and may you flow and may the word of God speak powerfully and profoundly. Jesus, we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to... Turn with me to Genesis chapter 50, and as you're turning there, look on the screen. We're going, we love to preach verse by verse here at Harvest. We love to go, we love exegetical preaching, and we're going through Hebrews 11, and here's the, here's the, the verse that we're looking at today. As we see this thread of faith as God builds his church, Hebrews 11:22. this is, um, you'll see it on the screen. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites, and he gave directions concerning his bones. You're like, what's the big deal about that? It's a huge deal. So to add the context, to understand what's actually happening here in Hebrews, we're going to spend our time today in Genesis chapter 50 to see that this statement that the author of Hebrews makes about Joseph is describing a forward-looking faith that Joseph isn't just giving some random instructions about what to do with his bones when he dies, but he's declaring his confidence in the reality of God's sovereignty and his providence, that the God who promised to deliver him would absolutely come through on that. And it is with that same forward-looking faith that we need to approach our lives today, our situations, our problems, our concerns, our past. So turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 50 to see what God is doing in the life of Joseph. Last week, we looked at the life of Joseph's dad, Jacob, because again, we're seeing this consistent thread of faithfulness as Jesus builds his church, ultimately in the New Testament, and as God builds his faith family in the Old, in, in, in the Old Testament. We're seeing God develop his people and build for himself a people that God's promises held true no matter the geographic location. No matter the current situation, no matter the faithlessness of his own people, God was still faithful to his promises. Praise God for that. Amen. So Joseph, nearing the end of his life today, is filled with faith. He's filled with confidence, and he's filled with a commitment to exalt his heavenly father as he exhorts his sons and grandsons and great-grandsons and his older brothers who will outlive him. Joseph, with his final breath, is teaching his loved ones and us today the vital, important lessons of the assurances that we have in God's faithfulness, regardless of situation, regardless of circumstance, regardless of season, that God is never out of control, even when it feels like our circumstances are. He's proclaiming the reality, and he's living a testimony of the author that the author of Hebrews uses in his definition of faith. Remember, and you'll see it on the screen right here, what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the, what's the next word there? Assurance, right, of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So Joseph is going to explain his assurances that lead to his confidence and conviction to help him face even the reality of his own death with faith. And even the reality and exhorting that and encourage his loved ones who will live on past him with faith. He's passing on a legacy of faith. And this is applicable to all of us, but dads, I want to speak especially to you right now. There is no greater legacy as we think about on Father's Day than to pass to your children than a legacy of faith. No amount of money, no amount of work on your car skills, computer proficiencies, baseball catches, basketball shooting, football playing, legacy can outdo the legacy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But you can't give what you don't have. My plea with you today is that you would surrender your life to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your personal Savior if you have not done that. 
And if you have done that, start living that and start being intentional with your children and all those around you about passing on the most important thing in this world to them, that nothing, nothing will ever surpass. That's what Joseph is doing in this text in Genesis 50. He's pointing all of his loved ones to Jesus. He's saying, don't look at me as your savior anymore. Look at the one who is the ultimate savior. And may we do that same with our lives today. You will never, ever, ever regret that. And that should always be our priority. So look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 50. We're going to look in the reality of four different assurances that we see from Joseph to his family of confidence as he's looking forward that we can take to the bank that we can live today with to face for whatever we're walking through today and whatever comes our way tomorrow. Four assurances of God's faithfulness that give us each confidence to face whatever is coming our way tomorrow. Starting in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 50, the first assurance is this, God is always working for his good for me. God is always working for his good for me. Genesis 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, that's Jacob, and this was 17 years after they initially landed in Egypt, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. And so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave us this, this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and they fell down before him and they said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? And if you don't have this verse highlighted, underlined, I would underline it. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about the me- that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. What a demonstration of the gospel, amen. What a demonstration of the power of God's grace. These brothers who had betrayed Joseph, despised him, threw him in a pit, literally trafficked him. He is not repaying evil for evil. He's loving them. He's loving the ones that hated him, just like Jesus taught us to do. He's demonstrating grace to them. He's being kind and comforting them. And may we do the same today. Under the reality that God is always at work for his best. Jacob's dad had died. I mean, Joseph's dad had died. Dad Jacob was gone. And now Joseph's 10 other brothers, he had a younger brother, Benjamin. He's not part of this cohort because Benjamin had nothing to do with Joseph getting thrown into the pit. These older brothers are like, okay, here comes the eye for an eye. Joseph, second most powerful person in all of the world, could have wiped his brother off the, uh, brothers off the planet without the snap of his fingers. But God. Joseph had long ago forgiven them, but the brothers didn't think that he, had forgot, that he had forgiven them. They didn't trust that. Joseph's heart was not focused at all on personal revenge. It was focused on God's providence. You see that? God's redemption and God's restoration. He had reflected on the reality of who God was to him, and, and now he wanted to demonstrate that to others. He'd experienced Joseph had God's enduring faithfulness, and he wanted others to see that. What probably for Joseph was honestly as a 17-year-old, a little foggy in the pit when his brothers betrayed him. Can you imagine the emotions of a teenager right there? It was probably a little difficult and unclear in a prison when he got sold out, literally. Falsely accused, left there for who knows how long. And then eventually got left again in prison when people that told him that he would remember him, the cup baker, the cup baker, the baker and the cup bearer forgot all about him. But in and through it all, you know who didn't forget about Joseph? You know who never left Joseph? God. That God was working for his good and God is working for your good even when situations are bad. Even when others legitimately hurt you. The hurt is real, amen? We are not here to deny the reality of the hurt. 
We are here to elevate the reality of God's hope. We're not denying, we're not dismissing, we're not just putting it in a box. No, we have to process through it. It hurts, it's hard, it's messy, it's sin, but God is greater. God's grace is better. His mercy is more sufficient in our mess than anything that we can bring to the table. Where's your heart right now as you reflect on situations in your life that others have harmed you, hurt you, betrayed you? Years maybe have gone by. This event happened decades ago. Over 30 years ago that this event happened. We're about that. Because Joseph was 17 when he was thrown in the pit. He was 30 when he, be, he rose to power in the palace. And then his brothers came to Egypt with their family. And they lived there for at least 17 years until his dad died. So he's, this is at least 30 years in the past. And his brothers are like, uh-oh, here comes Joseph. Are you hanging on to something that happened 17 minutes ago, 17 days ago, 17 months ago, 17 years ago? That you need to step back and see the reality that what other people intended to harm you, God intended for good that God will never not do good in your life even when the situations are really evil and nasty, even when the intentions of those that hurt you are harmful and negative and sinful. We serve a bigger God who is never out of control. And no one and nothing can stop our God. That's awesome, amen? So that should give us a forward-looking hope that in our hurt and in our heart, we're not denying those realities, elevating the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the character of God. So where are you looking right now? Who do you need to forgive? It's not saying the absence of boundaries. Consequences are real. Sin has consequences. But as believers, we are called to forgive, mandated to forgive, and we should find great joy in forgiving others because we have been forgiven much. God will never ask you to forgive more than he's already forgiven you. And we are called to be like Jesus, right? I want to be like Jesus until I have to, I have to cost me something and then now you have second guesses. <laughs> Jesus laid it all down. And Joseph, in this text, through and through, as our, a guy that I really have learned a lot from and I really love and, and who recently passed away, Pastor Tim Keller, would say that, that Jesus is the true and greater Joseph. Because Joseph is pointing to Jesus all throughout here. That I, when, when Joseph says these words to his brothers, as, as, you, as for you, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I, I can't help but hear my, my mind goes right to where it goes to the cross, where Jesus looked at those who just hung him on a cross. And he looks at them and says, what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That even though they intended evil, God, you're going to use it for good to save all of us. Praise God. that God is always at work for his best in our life. This, is this, this, this passage here points us to the reality of, of Paul's declaration in Romans, right? Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things, all things work together for good for those who are calling to, according to your purpose. So maybe you're here and you love God, but you're struggling to cling to that reality that all things work together for God's good. God defines the good. He doesn't always give you the details, but we need to trust that he is in control, trust that he is at work. So where do you need to tune your heart to God's grace and trust that he will give you the endurance to persevere through whatever the difficulty is and trust that he's at work and stop trying to manipulate the situation to get the outcome that you want because the outcome that you want is inferior to the outcome that God has planned for you. We need to surrender and give up control and trust him and look to him that God wants to work on you first, in you, around you, through you, because as God did this, there would be no deliverance without Joseph being in the pit. God would not have used Joseph to be in the palace without the prison. So many of us want the palace, but we don't want the prison. We don't want the pit. But what we don't realize is that God is using the pit and the prison to prepare us for the palace because you're not ready for the palace yet. God has a work to do in you right now that and along the way, he wants to work in you and through you to all those around you to see him glorified and to see you grow. Praise him. 
Worship through your worry. Praise him in your pain because his grace is sufficient. And he will sustain you and he will carry you. And as we choose to do this, I love these, prom- these exhortations that Joseph gives to his brothers. He says it twice on the front end and the back end. Verse 19, and then he says in verse 21, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Our life with the Lord is not meant to be a life of fear. Fear, the, fear is present, right? But we need to choose faith in the face of fear. Fear happens when we take our eyes off of God. When we start to try to want it our way. When we look at the human rather than the heavenly father. But as we look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we trust him, as we choose to live with faith in the face of fear, it means that we don't deny the pain of the past. Joseph isn't doing this. Look at verse 20. He goes, as for you, you did mean evil. He's not downplaying that. He's calling it out. He's calling evil, evil. But he's elevating God. My focus isn't on your evil, it's on God. How many of you right here, right now need to stop focusing on what someone else did to you and start focusing on what God has done for you? Change your perspective. Shift your focus. Stop allowing someone else to have so much of control over you and surrender that control to the Lord. Lay it at the feet. Faith in the face of fear doesn't deny the pain of the past. It puts hope in the God who is sovereign over your past and your present and your future. Living with faith in the face of fear, which is what Joseph is exhorting his brothers to do as he's demonstrating, it doesn't deny the hostility or the adversity, but it elevates Jesus's victory and his supremacy. Living with the face in the fear doesn't dismiss my pain, but it focuses on God's providence, his power, his purpose right here in the text and his provision. This isn't the reality of a Pollyanna message. Life is messy. Life is hard. Jesus looked at his disciples right before he went to the cross and said, guess what? The world's going to hate you. But there's hope. Because I have overcome the world. We're not denying the difficulty. We're claiming God's victory. That's what Joseph is doing right here. And when you choose this faith, it frees you. And we see this freedom in the life of Joseph to all those that are around him. Those that have hurt him the most in his life, wanted him dead, wanted him gone. Through the power of the grace of God, Joseph is not resentful, but he's free. He's free to forgive. And maybe you need to be free to forgive today by you focusing on the Lord. Joseph is free to provide. He's providing not just for his brothers, but for their kids. He's free to comfort those that are fearful around him. He's free to be kind, the text says in 21. He spoke kindly to them. Some of you are like, you hurt me. I'm going to come I'm going to one-up you. And no, Joseph, in the power of the gospel, through the grace of God, said, I will speak kindly to you. I will comfort you. I will provide for you. I will reassure you. And in and through it all, I will point you to the God who loves you. And who is ultimately here to save you? Who do you need to do that with in your life today? Where in your heart do you need to shift? So you can anchor in this assurance of God's faithfulness that God is in every single one of your situations. And maybe you're walking through a deep, the oceans of grief right now. God knows. God knows. He's well acquainted with grief. God watched his son die on the cross. He didn't do a thing. Unjustly beaten, accused, falsely accused for you and me. God knows. God knows your pain and God cares so much about you. Anxiety, worry, fear, God God is with you and he will give you the grace and the hope that you need in and through it all. Where do you need to change your perspective? Maybe you need to reflect a little bit, which is what Joseph is doing. I don't think you could see this in the initial pit as a 17-year-old or in prison maybe even as a 30-year-old, but now he sees. Now looking back, he sees. So maybe you need to spend some time reflecting in your life today or this week of the major difficulties maybe in your life, but then right next to it, how God, you experience the deliverance of God in those difficulties, because that will grow your confidence of the assurance of God's faithfulness. I grabbed a cup of coffee, someday with a, had a great time with somebody this week, and just even hearing my, uh, hear his story, which was a gift, and got to share some of mine, but even hearing myself verbalize 
again, my story, and it's not even about me, but like when my wife was a wreck and when we were on the, like, not sure what to do, just God showed up and showed off. I'm like, okay, I'm even hearing God reassure my own heart as I'm telling of what God has done in me, right? We need to go back to those moments. And it's not about us, it's about God. We need to reflect on those things as we, because the same God who was there yesterday is the same God who's present today and will be faithful in the future. So maybe spend some time this week looking back on who God is to you and what he's done for you. So you can look forward to the reality that the same God and the same character will, will carry the day for you. It's Father's Day and, and I'm having to do this all over again. You know, as I've, if it's, I've, we shared off and I've shared a few times, my father's health is continuing to decline. And it will probably do that until his days on earth are far shorter than what any of us would really want them to be. And so, but God is good even in that. And I was talking to my mom this week and, and who's an amazing caretaker. And she just says, she told me being a caretaker is challenging and watching your dad decline is heartbreaking. But God is using this time for his glory. My prayer is that I will be faithful to the end to care for your dad and that I will finish well. Lots of adjustments have to be made to our schedule. And the biggest is that your, your dad is having to lean on me, which is a total role reversal but my biggest prayer is that people will get saved through this. That even in our most difficult moments, God is working for his good and we need to trust him in that. And we need to surrender the moments and surrender the people. Don't lose the reality that this whole season is happening as they're grieving the loss of their dad, Jacob. And in the middle of the grief, Joseph is demonstrating God's grace. He's pointing them to God. He's comforting them. He's saying God is good even when life is hard. And that same hope is so available for us today too. We can trust God's purposes because he's got a purpose for your pain. He will comfort you in the crisis. He has a purpose for your pain. Don't waste the crisis. You will learn more about God's character often in a crisis than in any other season. And that's a gift. It's a gift. Because that's the most important relationship. The assurance of God's faithfulness equips me to face the future with confidence. We all have a story, and may we use it for God's glory. The second assurance that this text teaches us through the life of Joseph is that God has a bright future for me. The text continues in verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt and he and his father's house. Joseph lived for 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim, that's his sons, children of the third generation. So grandkids and great grandkids. The children also of massacre, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land. That he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And the Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. Which is what Hebrews is referring to. And so Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So yet again, yet again, the first scene we have Jacob's death, and now we have Joseph talking about his own mortality and the reality that he is about to die. So both of these scenes right here in this text are laden with grief. The reality of the brevity of our earthly life, but the glory of eternity that we have to look forward to. And while this text speaks literally about the promised land that is Canaan, it is ultimately pointing us to the promised land that is heaven. That we all get to look forward to as our brighter future with confidence of the assurance of that through the promise and the work of Jesus Christ. So however difficult your days are today, understand the reality that Jesus' victory means we get to live with him forever in eternity if you have put your personal faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our bright future. Joseph lived for 110 years, the last 93 of which he was 17 when he was taken out of Canaan. So 93 years were lived in Egypt, only 17 in Canaan, the promised land that was continually passed on. 
He gets to see his kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids. But as we look closely at verses 24 through 26, we can't lose sight of the reality that Joseph knows that where he currently is living is is not his home. He was looking forward with the expectation that I will be brought back to Canaan because God will deliver me. So when he says, make plans for his bones, he is declaring the reality that God will fulfill his promises. The confidence in the assurance of God's faithfulness that the God who promised right there in 24 to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, the God of Abraham is the God of Joseph. And that God is your God and my God today too, amen? When we talk of a brighter future, it might not mean material prosperity, but it does mean that you have hope in heaven. Our hope is not on this earth. It's looking forward to eternity with Jesus Christ, with God, where we worship him with face to face for all of eternity. It's claiming the reality that Revelation 21 is real that there is a place that we are all going to where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering, there's no more cancer, there's no more cortical basal syndrome, there's no more dementia. There's Jesus, where we get to spend all of eternity praising him. And that gives us hope. So while we grieve, and this is a passage of deep grief, It's also a passage of greater grace. We hope. Hope is not the absence of grief. It's the presence of grace in the Lord. And the promises of God, the assurance and the conviction that we have that what God says he does. Praise him. Praise him. So what are some assurances of God's faithfulness? What are, so these assurances of God's faithfulness gives us confidence to, to, to step forward with faith on this earth in a couple different ways. The first way that these assurances of God's faithfulness give me confidence to live with faith today is this, is that, look, I know what I believe. Joseph knows what he believes in this text, amen? That God is faithful, that God will come through, that God is good, that God is working for his good in all these situations, that God will lead his people out. And newsflash, There are a couple hundred years gap between Joseph dies and when Moses leads the people out of Egypt. So when he says, you're going to come out of here, it's not like it's going to happen tomorrow. Some of us are like, God, you said you were going to do this, but it's been 24 hours and you haven't done it yet. God knows what he's doing. It might not even happen in your lifetime, but God will do it. God will do it. Got to trust him. And we have to release the control that we think we know what's best. And we need to trust our God and just follow in that next step, one foot in front of the other, wherever he leads. Do you know what you believe today? What do you believe about God? Who is Jesus to you? Real question. Metaphorical, yes, but also literal. Oh, he's just some nice guy in the Bible. Maybe some of you believe that. And I'm so glad that you're here. Genuinely, everybody's welcome. I just pray that right now, God would grip your heart with the reality of his beauty and splendor, that he is a king of kings and Lord of lords, that he came and lived a perfect life and he took your place and mine on the cross because we are sinners and every sin comes with a death penalty and, you, and it requires a perfect sacrifice. And you and I, by the way, newsflash, aren't perfect people. This is not a perfect church. I am not a perfect pastor. We don't have a perfect staff, but we have a perfect God that we are pursuing with every morsel of our being. Do you believe today that Jesus Christ is God's son? I hope so. Many people do, but that's not enough to be saved. You also have to confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Many people intellectually believe that Jesus is God's son. The demons do even. Welcome. (laughs) But do you believe that he's Lord? Have you surrendered? Have you committed to him as Lord and Savior? Have you confessed that? Are you trusting him? Because surrender means God have my way, whether I'm in Egypt or whether I'm in Canaan, whether I'm in the pit, the prison, or the palace, all three very different scenarios and seasons, you are Lord and I am not. I'm here to honor you, worship you, trust you, follow you. What do you believe about Jesus today? The second thing, Joseph is very, very clear in this text that the assurance of God's faith. And again, Joseph is learning this over the course of his life. So if you are not quite there yet, you're welcome here. Joseph wasn't there initially either. (laughs) Like, Like, so there's a progression. 
but it comes with a choice. Your parents can't save you. Your spouse can't save you. You have to make the choice. Know in whom I believe. So Joseph didn't just know what he believed. He know in whom he believed. Who did he believe in this text? God. His brothers were looking at him going, you're the savior. And in, in fact, God used Joseph. He used him to provide and care, all these things. But at the end of the day, in 24 through 26, he's like, I'm dying, but God, amen? He pointed them to God. You don't need to rely on me. Don't rely on a human. Put your hope not in a human, but in the heavenly father. Whom are you believing in today? Whom are you turning to to be your sufficiency? Whom are you turning to for your salvation? Whom are you turning to for your hope? Because all of those things determine where your eternity will be. And if it's not God, you're not going to be in heaven. I love you too much to not say that. And I pray that you would choose today. It's never too late. Never, ever, ever too late until your last breath is gone. Choose today to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And you see Joseph's steadfast, unshakable, immovable faith. Because he had seen God be faithful in the prison, in the pit, in the palace. And finally, know where I belong. Joseph knew where he belonged. Where did he belong? Not in Egypt, where he, would, he lived 93 years of his life. He belonged in Canaan. Guys, newsflash, we don't belong on this earth. Are you living like you belong here? I hope you would hold loosely to that. We belong in heaven. If you are in the Lord, you know this. The New Testament teaches that we are citizens of heaven, not of earth. That this world is not our home. That we are sojourners. We are pastors through we are ambassadors this is of our king. We are, our home should be embassies, but we don't reside here permanently. We are residing in heaven. But man, when we get that, we hold loose, much more loosely to our money and we give it more freely. We hold much more loosely to our time. We give it more freely. Our resources, we give it more freely. And ultimately, not only do we belong in heaven, but we belong to the family of God. Praise him, amen. I don't know what your earthly family is like, a lot of them are messy. I just know that you have a God, the father that loves you and cares for you and want and gave his son to adopt you into his forever family. He created you. He chose you. He predestined you and he wants to live forever with you. Forever. Full rights, family membership. You choose to put your faith in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would do that today. Will you do that? And if you've done that, re-anchor in whom you really belong to today. Stop striving for the things of this world, trying to please people of this world and anchor today in where you really belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That your hope is not on this earth, but it's in eternity. The third assurance that this text gives us is this beautiful reality that God will always sustain me. He will sustain me. Joseph in verse 24, as he's talking to his brothers, he says, I'm about to die. My two favorite words, and it's multiple times in this text, in the entire Bible or what? But God. But God will visit you. Isn't that awesome? He will visit you. He will sustain you. My assurance of God's sustenance comes through his, my assurance of God's presence. That God will sustain me through his presence. And in the Old Testament, the, cool, the interesting reality is that God came and went, right? In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, guess what? We have God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, who never leaves us, ever, if you're in the Lord. That's awesome. It's awesome. God, Joseph is pointing to the reality. He doesn't say this, but it's, it's what happened. For the next several hundred years, your family will enter into slavery, but you won't be alone. God will be with you. He will visit you. He will sustain you. He will see you through the dark moments. He will give you endurance when you're being whipped. He will continue to be loving and lavishing his grace when the brick requirement goes in, uh, up and the straw requirement goes down. He will be with you when Pharaoh demands that you kill your firstborn sons. More on that next week. God will be with you when the days are really dark because there is no darkness so great that it can overcome the light of our God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will always sustain me. I don't know what you're walking through right now. I just know this, that God loves you, he's with you, and he will sustain you. 
doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, it will probably be quite difficult. But it's in those moments where you experience a greater vision of who God is. He might not give you extra, but he will give you enough. Because he loves you. And Joseph knew this personally. Joseph said, for so long, God has allowed me to use my earthly position of authority to provide for you. But now I am leaving. But have no fear and take heart because God's eternal providence far outweighs my earthly position. Isn't that awesome? It's going to be okay, he's telling his brothers and his kids and his grandkids. It's going to be hard, but there's hope. Why? Because God will visit you. And how do I know? Joseph says, because he visited me. Look at these instances of Joseph's life where God visited him. And God sustained Joseph. Joseph is testifying. And may we bear the same responsibility to testify to God's sustaining grace in our lives too, to all those that are around us. We don't have to wait for our deathbed to testify, amen? So this week, who are you going to share with? But look at what happened when Joseph was in the pit. He was in the pit. He got trafficked, literally. He ended up in Egypt. He ended up in Potiphar's house. And, and this is what the text says in 39.2 of Genesis. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Young adult, Joseph, God was with him. And maybe you're a young adult right here and just been betrayed, showed up in a foreign country, was literally a slave. But God was with him and his circumstances didn't stop God from allowing him to be successful. Praise God for that. And if that wasn't enough, he, was, he, he became really impactful in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar was out of town doing something else. Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph. Joseph like fled that like you should. And he got rewarded for living with integrity by being falsely accused and thrown into prison. No trial, just thrown into prison for an undetermined amount of time. If it was me, I might've given up hope then, right? And maybe you're in a situation right now. You're like, God, I, I live for you in the pit. I got through it, but here I am in the prison. I deserve, I'm out, I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. You said you were faithful. Obviously you aren't. And maybe that's you right now. That's bad theology. God is never not faithful, remember? God is never not in control. God is never not working for his good, even when we can't see it. We're just throwing a little temper tantrum because we don't like our earthly circumstances. Or we're in deep grief because our earthly circumstances are really gut-wrenchingly hard. And we're not denying that reality. We need to lean into that, which is why we need biblical community but we're elevating the hope that we have. Because look at what God did when Joseph was in prison. Right when he got to prison, 39, 21, but the Lord was what? With Joseph. And he showed him what? Steadfast love. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The steadfast love transcended circumstances. The, transcend, the steadfast love of God transcends seasons, transcends locations, transcends geography transcends a jail cell. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, amen? It is unstoppable. It is unending. It is unconditional. There is nothing that you can do to make God stop loving you. Praise him, amen? And maybe you're feeling that way unloved or unlovable today. I just pray that you would know that God will never not love you and that his grace is enough. And that he sees you as beautifully and wonderfully made in his own image and gave his son to die on the cross for you because he wants to spend eternity with you and wants a restored relationship with you. Joseph was then abandoned in prison by two people that he helped. One of them eventually remembered Joseph. Pharaoh needed some dreams interpreted. The cupbearer said, I know a guy. Joseph says, and, and Joseph stands before Pharaoh now and look at what he says in, in chapter 41. As he's interpreting these dreams, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Even Pharaoh, a pagan king, recognized the presence of God with Joseph. 
There Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow, isn't that amazing? Joseph trusted in God's assurance each and every day and God just worked in his faithful providence. That is why Joseph can stand before his brothers and his kids and his great grandkids and grandkids and say, I know the goodness of the Lord. I have tasted and I have seen. I've seen the God be faithful to me and that same God will be faithful to you. Don't be afraid to trust him with tomorrow. He will sustain. He will give you enough. He is your hope. Joseph is saying, don't look to me as your hope. Look to God. Don't look to your circumstance. Look to Christ. Where are you looking for your hope today? Who are you anchoring your hope in? A job, a relationship, a family, an earthly family? on the amount of money in a bank, how, the health of a loved one, your own personal health, your past. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just know that only God can truly be our hope. And we can be assured of his confidence. So how do we experience the sustenance of God? We need to rest in it, amen? I love our kids. We got four of them. They're all growing. They'll tell you this all the time. I'm gonna embarrass them here in a second. Kind of, maybe, not really. But I tell them all the time, I was like, I don't care how old you get, I will always love you and you're never too big for me to snuggle you. <laughs> like, so I don't care. And some of them might be taller than me one day. And our, our, we have one of them, he may or may not be our youngest one, that uh, is full of quite a lot of energy. He literally wears a shirt and so apropos that says, warning, easily distracted. And um, as he's running around the house like a crazy person. But you know what happens when he gets tired? He like settles in, sits on my lap and just rests his head on my chest and there's not a greater feeling in the world as a dad. Now imagine how easily distracted you and I are living our lives and we don't, how many of us are too easily distracted to sit and rest at the feet of our savior, Jesus Christ today. Right? I gotta do this, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta, ah! And God's just like, just rest, my child. Let me hold you. Let me lift you up. Let me carry you. Let me kiss you on your forehead and let you know it's going to be okay. doesn't mean your earthly circumstances are going to get easier. It just means I'm going to deliver you. Where do you need to rest in the Lord today? I love what the prophet Isaiah 41 says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. This is God speaking. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Look at those promises, the assurances, right? This is a go-to scripture of mine. I would write it on your, and have it be a go-to scripture for you too. Make the time to sit without an agenda in your Bible. Without a time constraint on with worship music. To open your journal and just to write. Maybe tears are flowing down your face, but just go, God, this is my heart. Parents, you want to hear your kids' hearts, right? God wants to hear your heart too. And then claim the promises of God. Reflect on the faithfulness of God. And that will give you the confidence to look forward and face that. Because here's the fourth and final reality, the assurance that God will always deliver me. Like it's right here in the text. Verse 24 and 25. God will not just visit you, but what? He will bring you up out of this land to the land that he has promised you. He will deliver you. That's what Joseph is saying. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear and say, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones out of here. Why? Because God's going to deliver. I'm going to, I got skin in this game, Joseph says. I know that God's going to deliver me. And God will deliver you too today. I promise because God promises. But let's not be confused. God's deliverance might not be be a physical deliverance, but it will always be a spiritual deliverance. It might not mean that the health of your loved one or yourself gets better. Death is real on this earth. It might not mean that your financial struggle goes away or the boss that's riding you moves, right? Or that you get the promotion that you're anchoring your hope in. But it means that in the middle of your pain, God will deliver you and provide you his peace. It means that in the middle of the hurt and the hard, God will meet you with his hope. It means that on every step of the journey, we can live with joy because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides right here in you and I. That God will deliver you spiritually every single time. Sometimes he chooses to do it physically. Miracles happen. Praise God, right? But praise him even when it doesn't happen. 
it's really hard to talk about someone you love dying with them. That's what's happening right here. It's been a hard journey for me to learn how to do that with my dad. But as Anna and I got to visit them yesterday and as we prayed with them and just said, God, if it's your will that my dad's life, and it looks like it will be, will be shorter on this earth than any of us want, may you glorify yourself in it. May you magnify yourself in it. Because what we're beginning to see is you're bringing an incredible gospel grace-centered platform that people are watching and looking and there's a greater impact and opportunity for gospel transformational impact in this season than probably it would have been if this didn't happen. So praise your holy name forever that we will weep, but we will worship. That we will experience pain, but man, your peace is enough. And I know that you guys are walking through your own journeys. And some death has visited this past week. Some there's difficulty currently. Some there's heartbreak. I just want you to know that there's hope. That God will deliver you because he promises you. And he is faithful. He is faithful. Amen. So whatever comes, one, we don't have to walk alone. He was telling his whole family so they could walk this road together, so they could encourage each other on the difficult days, so they could walk with each other on the hard days. They could point each other to Jesus when one is down, the other one can lift them up. And you guys do that for me all the time. Thank you for that. And we get to do that together. Because God is awesome. He's worthy of our praise. So this morning, I want to ask you this. Whom do you believe? Where do you currently belong today? And if it's not Jesus, today would you make that decision? And if it is Jesus, would you reset your focus on the reality of who God is? He is faithful. He is working for his good in your circumstance, even when you don't like it. To trust in God as our Lord means I surrender. God, have your way. As Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether you give or whether you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So would you bow your heads with me right here? As Chris continues to play, what assurance of God do you need to cling to today? What situation in your life do you need to look at and not deny the reality that death is coming, as, J as Joseph said? I am going to die. We're not denying the difficult reality. But today we're stepping into out in faith and going, God, in my grief, your grace is enough. God, in my mess, your mercy is sufficient. God, in my heart, you are my hope. God, in my past, you forgive and give me the strength to forgive others, even family, when they deeply hurt me. When they turn their back on me, you didn't. And so now may I not turn my back on them and may I point them to you. And maybe just maybe this is your moment to make that choice where going, Jesus, I want to belong to you forever. And I choose to put my faith in you. I want eternity to be my home. I want to look forward with confidence and hope that even when this earthly world gets hard, and it does, and even when it hurts, it does. I want that hope that only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life today in whatever way he would? Maybe he wants to reassure you that he's with you in the pit or the prison of your life. Maybe he wants to convict you. Maybe you want to say something to God. whatever you're walking through. We are here to walk with you and to pray for you. Jesus, we love you. And here today, we're to declare the reality and the beauty that you're enough. That on Father's Day, 
God, we're here to look to you, our eternal heavenly father. We want to rest in your grace. We want to sit in your presence. We want to allow your mercy to sustain us. We want your goodness to wash over us. We're not here to downplay or deny the difficulty of this fallen world, but we are here to declare with assurance your sovereignty, your sufficiency, and your beauty. That the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is the God of every single person in this room, watching online, and that you are faithful and that you are good. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Thank you for dying us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your unstoppable presence in our life. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for creating us, sending Jesus to die for us, and adopting us. In the name of our Heavenly Father, we pray. Amen.